Not long ago, in a far-off corner of a place called the Internet, a revolution was born. Forged in the fires of common experience, the survivors of a mysterious movie known only as A Talking Cat came together. Their purpose, to dissect this fascinating failure of a film and broadcast their findings through the cosmos in hopes that future generations might learn from their mistakes. Some would call them heroes, others would call them mad, but despite the grueling road ahead of them, the group would take up the Sisyphean task and become a talking cast? Are they adventurers, sinner as a savior's or Are they demented, love the punishment, I can't be sure But one thing I do know is that the mission here to force To make your life so hard that you'll be pissing on your kitchen floor Hello everyone and welcome back to A Talking Cast The A Talking Cat podcast that nobody asked for uh, I am your host, Darren And with me today I have guest from episode number one Returning for episode 77 Kevin Brady. What a gap and what a long, strange ride it's been, Darren. How are you today? Yeah, <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, now, uh, for those at home following along... <laughs> we're Why? Doing... Why are you still following along? <laughs> <laughs> we're doing episode 77, which is minute 76, which is, I don't know what, an hour and, and 26 to an hour and 27. It's, you know... 16 to 17. Yeah, I think by this point you're fairly, you know, you know where you are in the film uh, because we are we are wrapping things up. There's a cat, um, it talks, it has magic powers. <laughs> Come on. Do I do I need to give you the full pitch for this movie? You know what you're watching. We are literally 1 minute away from this thing being finished. Mercilessly. And as as it opened, so it closes with uh Duffy talking for 3 or 4 minutes about whatever is coming into his head. Um, only this time he's trying to make it, you know, he's trying to sum up what has been happening in this film, and he's just finished in the previous minute talking about Susan and Phil, the situation with the Sims contract, which Susan did get for all of those who were worried that her catering catering company would not continue, and now she's aware that Phil is invested in the toy company for well, some the, reason. The day was saved by a mysterious investor, and who was? Who was that white knight riding in on his horse, that Prince Charming, that, that Uncle Scrooge? None other than, than our buddy Phil. Uh, Phil, who's got a surname that I can't remember. Nobody knows. Uh, from the article, that, that, very, that very in-depth article. As we're wrapping everything up, you know, let's talk about uh, Phil and, and Susan. Uh, surely a romance for the ages. The last shot, of course, is, is of um, Susan and Phil. They're, they're, at, they're outside in the poorhouse porch. And and they're they're feeding each other food, and I think that really sums everything up. You know, cheese puffs. Well, Darren, see this, and and this is not your fault. It's you can't help it. You're from the other side of the pond. But here in America, uh, all successful relationships are built on cheese puffs. <laughs> right, okay, cornerstone. Without cheese puffs, my parents would not have been together for the forty-four years they've been happily married. So uh, I think we can all thank Cheese Puffs for that. And what's funny, of course, is uh, we know that if this toy company fails, then Phil, he will be destitute because he, he put all of his money, all of it, into this toy company. <laughs> I don't know how Phil has managed to, uh, to, to live such a, a wonderful life in his porn mansion 
when he is clearly the worst investor, at least from the outside, from what I can tell. Yeah. He's the worst investor I can imagine. He's thrown his money into a failing toy company with no <laughs> signature product that we've been introduced to. There was a book that apparently uh, he read to his kid, but they didn't say the name of the book, did they? There was a book that he read to The Chris. perfect bookend for this movie to wrap that toy company in would be if, you know, Phil invests in the toy company and their next huge Christmas product is, wait for it, a talking cat. Oh, see? That see? would have been perfect. They uh, missed an opportunity. Because, they well, missed an opportunity there. I mean, that, w- that would have been a great way to wrap it up. Like, uh, you know, see like a toy store full of these, these duffy, you know, talking cat court toys. Right. Uh, all with their little magical collars. If only they had a professional writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, <laughs> we're back in the porn mansion. We're back in the room where, you know, the magic began for the, the, the clothes scanning minutes. Uh, God, they're uh, hard. Not where, the close scanning took, not where the close scanning took place, by the way. Just where Phil pointed at his son and said, come on, you know, this is this is the idea. We're going to go scan some clothes, son. Now, Duffy sums it up by saying, Tina's fashion advice thingy became a big deal. And i, I got to say, given the capabilities, and this was talked at, you know, at length in the five or six episodes that covered this, given the capabilities that Tina came up with, you know, for this thing that could just scan a piece of cloth and tell you what the clothing was. Sure. That would be a big deal. Well, yeah. Um, you know, because it basically generated a database out of nowhere. Uh, and if you had something that could do that, that, you know, forget clothes. You could apply that to everything and you could make a lot of money. Well, I mean, I don't know if, you, if you've if you seen the recently uh, released Ex Machina. Yes. Those, yeah, those, st- those advancements in AI would be put to shame by Tina's app. Yeah, that they would look like nothing. You'd be like, who needs who needs a walking, talking robot when you can literally just point a book light at anything? Uh, and it knows what everything is. Uh, I would like to correct something that I think people have been doing in earlier podcasts, which is um, they seem to think that Tina came up with the, the book light part of the uh, the app. You know the the fashion uh, the fashion advice thingy, right? And I don't think that's ever I don't think that's ever established on the screen. That to me that seems to be Phil's you know input into it because he says he's got to do so- when when he calls his son over and they start the scanning. He says I've got to do you know change this or change that. I think he was doing that so that the book light would work. So so she just came up with the high level concept of well what would yeah. be cool if we could scan things with a book light and then Phil was like oh I can make that happen. She gave him some code as well on like a on a, a flash drive that she explained for all the grandparents watching. <laughs> you know, so she obviously, she did she did the first half. I, I think, uh, from what I can tell, having watched this film a few times now, I think it's Phil who is the one who comes up with the book light. And then we get the reveal here that, that I mean, Tina and Phil are just sitting there t- typing away on laptops, as you do. Uh, like, typing a lot. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but they are really... They're hammering them keys. Well, my guess is, is if she types anything like she reads, because if you remember back to the <laughs> scene where she's reading, uh, there's a lot of extra effort going into that. I guess, yes. Yeah. So uh, she's probably hitting the wrong keys and having to delete and hitting the right keys. and then you know. So, yeah, I can imagine her typing is probably going to be quite a long process. Uh, but Phil has apparently started a new development company. Duffy doesn't understand the fascination with the beeping machine. But it makes them both happy. So he's happy that Tina and Phil are happy, uh, but he doesn't get he it. He doesn't understand why he's... they're happy. <laughs> they could be yeah. The beeping machine could be doing anything. He's got no clue. But uh... also, isn't isn't the whole concept here that this this program that she developed is an app? Like we actually use the word app, don't we? Yeah, I think at some point, um, I think when Phil's walking down the stairs and he's like, I don't know if Tina knows it or not. 
but she, you know she's gonna be a millionaire because of I can't remember the exact speech but basically I, I think he says app in that particular thing and it does seem to me like they are trying to design something that would work best on a on a rather than using a book light like this is like the the beta testing where you have to use a book light because you haven't got like the facility to scan using like a, a webcam or whatever sure. so it seems to me that if if that facility was was you know in full use you would just be able to use your phone and you'd just be able to scan with your phone right i mean we live in a world a talking cat i should say takes place in a world where smartphones are a thing. Like, you know, we see smartphones, I think, in the movie. Yeah, Tina deliberately leaves her phone behind. Which begs the question, uh, why all the CD-ROMs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this desk is full of a lot of strange things, but yeah, there are two gigantic spindles full of CDRs, and I'm like, uh, what are they... D- I, I, I guess maybe to back stuff up, you would... Uh, but I don't know, with the cloud and I think whatever. I, f- I think it's a ma- movie made by and for people that don't understand technology. <laughs> yeah. I, in fact, uh, what's funny, and I, I, I mean, I'm, I think people have discussed this a little bit, but not completely at length, but I don't know why Duffy just doesn't... Like, he says, and let's take this little tiny bit of speech as an example. He says fashion advice thingy. So he knows it's for... Like, fashion is a word that's more advanced than like the, thi- the he's saying thingy he could just say program that's not quite as like do you know what i'm saying like fashion is like a is a, a weird thing for him to know but well, not know i think the, the, i think the word app well i think it's clear then that duffy is also like a 90 year old cat like he's <laughs> he's your grandmother's cat he grew up in your grandmother's home where she didn't yeah. she had a rotary telephone she didn't have a she didn't have a smartphone. She doesn't know what apps are. She knows what fashion is because they had fashion in 1920. You know when she was I wearing guess. she was wearing her flapper skirts and uh, and dancing with the boys when they came back from the first big war. <laughs> but uh, it just it seems weird to me that he then says Phil's new development company, <laughs> which is that's that's a, that's a high that's a for a cat that's a high concept to understand that he started up this company. Which by the way just seems to be him and Tina sitting in front of laptops. Development company is a little highfalutin. But I, I mean, to be fair, I think these are all high concepts for a cat. <laughs> well, but then he says, "Beeping machine." Why doesn't you just say computer or phone or like that? The, the, the phrase "beeping machine" over this podcast, over the number of episodes, when it's been said, people have never been quite sure if he's talking about phones, which like do make noises, or computers. And I got to be honest with you, my computer doesn't make that many noises. Like it doesn't really beep. Well, I think for Duffy, all technology is a beeping machine. I think Duffy is one of those like, like you ever meet one of those old people that they're just they're they're just kind of a prick about technology. Like they don't want to accept technology. They don't want to learn it. So it's like, oh, you know, you kids and your beeping machines. It's like, dude, you know, you're you're fifty three years old. He's like a modern luddite. <laughs> exactly. He wants to smash the technology. <laughs> he wants to destroy the spinning jennies. He's you know he's. Uh, he, he's he's trying to resist change. We then cut. I mean, we're we're already at the pool. We're already at the pawn mansion. So of course, why not go to the pool? Franny has got her wish. Um, you know, unfettered access to that pool. <laughs> that was all she was after. Uh, She's also got unfettered access to Chris. But see, I know. don't know if the the pool is all she was really looking for access to. I think she was looking for access to some cannon balls. If you know what I mean. 
Because that's what she says is cannonballs. This is probably the weirdest thing because the final... This is the final line of dialogue spoken by... That we can hear by any members of the cast. Because I think in the next scene, the cast are all there, but they're just kind of muttering. We don't really hear anything distinct. No, they're just pouring milk into a bowl. And, and in this in this, in this, this scene, we've got Chris and Franny. They're in the pool swimming, and we briefly hear Franny say the words cannonballs. But she's not doing a cannonball. No one's doing a cannonball. They just swim backwards and forwards in a pool. Right, which is why I think that, not not only, I'm, I'm pretty well convinced that this utterance of cannonballs uh, is not in the script. Uh, I'm going to say, because, you know, it's kind of said off mic, like we kind of hear it as background noise. It's not yeah. clearly something that's that's meant to be spoken to camera. So I think that's a like a really dirty inside joke. That they've had going on between <laughs> Franny, Chris, and Trent, and you know Franny's like maybe constantly walking into the costume department and commenting on how, on how their cannonballs look in this pair of pants or that <laughs> pair of pants, and uh, you know she felt like hey you know I've I've got to fill some time here I've got to make some noise I'm in a pool this is a perfect time to just make Chris laugh and I'll say cannonballs right to his face <laughs> no one will know what it means except for the idiots that broke this thing down minute by minute and studied everything they could about this stupid movie. So you think this is like an inside joke between Justin Cohen and Ayas and Siki? Uh, like, it's like a nickname that they just, like, call each other. Obviously, they're... I think, know, it's, I think it's her nickname for their cannonballs. Like, one of those two guys. So Duffy continues his narration, his, his never-ending narration, which was there in minute one, and it's here in minute 76. He just won't stop talking. Uh, I guess when you've paid Eric Roberts to drunkenly speak over the phone, you get your full value. And so he continues saying the others, because he's not going to sum them up individually. He's already summed up two storylines for you, and he doesn't care at this point. He's like, well, they're still figuring out who they are and what they want. And it's like, okay, yeah, all right then. It's like Trent, eh, whatever. And Trent doesn't even... Poor put-upon Trent. You know, Trent is my favorite character in this movie. I just feel bad for him the whole time. This poor bastard doesn't even get to show up at the end of the movie. Like, here's Franny, and she's, you know, frolicking with Chris in the pool. And here's Trent's Trent's not-so-loving sister, Tina. And she's, you know, her... I guess her dreams are coming true, which... By the way, she has the happiest ending of anybody in this movie, and to me that's horrifying because oh, yeah. yeah. she's an awful person. Uh, so- oh, see, now I, I, I have to disagree there, Kevin, because I, as, as I'm sure other people know, I am Team Tina all the way. Oh, my God. Um, because she she's the most sensible out of everybody in this film because she wants to go to business college, as everyone should aspire to do. <laughs> At age seventeen, she's got you know she's got plans. She's been working on her proposal for something. I don't know. They never make that clear. She goes to the library. I go to the library, so I can identify with that. Um, you know, I don't really identify with Trent because all he does is fix fences. That to me didn't look like they needed fixing. <laughs> that just seems like busy work that his mother was giving him. Just you know, because he seems like a bit of a doofus. This does not sound uh, like you know. Not to get political on you or anything, but this does not sound like the viewpoints of a member of the Labour Party, my friend. Because <laughs> because here's Trent, working man Trent, really trying to just 
put his nose to the grindstone and get by the old-fashioned way. And here's, you know... To fix a fence that isn't broken. Yeah, but, I mean, but then there's his bitchy sister that she just wants to be... <laughs> she wants to be Miss Wall Street. She doesn't care who she steps on to get to it. She's going to... Now, we're both aware that when, this, when, when we first see Tina and Trent, Trent's opening line to Tina is, quit bugging mom about business college. He, he starts it. In, t- in the terms of this entire film, he is the one who throws the first stone. And she, that from then on, she's just defending herself <laughs> okay. for the rest of the film. From the assault oh, okay. of, you so know... You blame, you blame poor put-upon Trent for sending the first shot across the bow of Tina's bitchy attitude. <laughs> And here's the funny thing as well, is I actually think, in terms of, um, you know, like, the characters in this story, I th- I think that, actually, like, Tina and Chris would be a better fit than than Franny and Chris. Oh, That's clearly. Like- yeah, no, cl- I, I agree 100%. The, the, the way that this thing should have paired off is, I think, you know, Trent should have, because, first of all, let's be honest, Franny is way out of Chris's league. I mean, she is... <laughs> She, oh, she's definitely. And is. I said I'm this, not going to disagree. With I that. said this in the first episode. At the time this movie was filmed, both of these young ladies were over eighteen. So I'm comfortable in saying that Franny is a hottie. All right, she's she's got it going on. I'm all about Franny. I am Team Franny for that reason and that reason only. And look, Trent's a good looking dude. So Trent is clearly the guy that's going to land Franny. And then you know Tina, who's cute, and Chris, who's a cute guy. They they pair off nicely. They have similar interests, you know. When Tina f- first meets Phil, she's like, "Who's this guy?" Like that's her first reaction is to be hostile towards Phil. And of course, whenever Chris, for the first sixty minutes, Chris is like, "Who is this guy?" Like he literally hates his father. <laughs> so I think they have that in common. Uh, of course, once she finds out that Phil could possibly help her, Tina warms up to Phil, uh, which again I think is a sensible move. She's a monster. She's a Machiavellian monster. I mean, Duffy's Duffy's narration then continues off into like a really weird direction. Where he insists that people have done have taken to the cat way of doing things, which involves a lot of curiosity, playing and naps. Yes. And then he corrects himself. Maybe it's just me who likes to nap. I find it helpful. Now that that as as we've said many times when we've heard uh, Eric Roberts' dulcet tones in this film, that last line just sounds like Eric Roberts. Just saying something to somebody <laughs> off mic and just being like, yeah, I like to nap. I find it helpful. And, you know, maybe maybe Julia's like, okay, all right then, Eric, uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> Have you finished, you know, on the phone? And he's like, oh, I've got one more minute and then I'm done. See, and for me, if I can delve back into the darkness that I think this movie uh, really is really showing us, uh, it's interesting that the line about... Um, Taking to the cat way of doing things. Uh, so a lot of curiosity, playing, and naps. That comes <laughs> over, you know, these two teenagers, hormones raging. I bet they've been doing their share of playing and you know, a little curiosity, you know, maybe playing a little, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> you think that you think that that's some coded language for for like parents or something? Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's clearly something's going on with Chris and Franny. Uh, clearly, uh, Franny or Chris has been doing a little uh, experimenting or exploring uh, when when Franny's around. And hey, probably when Trent's around, because there's a real gay vibe between those two. So. I hadn't. Do you know why I hadn't? I never. I never noticed. No, that I'm sure that's. I'm sure that's, that's news to everybody who has yeah. seen this movie or heard this podcast. But no, definitely, there is some curiosity with that. Uh, that little love triangle there. I think. 
Yeah, I, well, I mean, we finished with with Chris and Franny swimming, and basically that is the end of that is the end of our minute. Which, by the way, they're not swimming; they're splashing around. Yeah, he doesn't I, yeah, even say- swim, and the whole his whole trick for getting Trent to take his shirt off and join him in the pool is to teach him how to swim and to hold him. Close. Yeah, so. No, you're right. Actually, yeah, no, I guess swimming is, is being a bit too generous. They're sort of standing in the water and moving backwards and forwards, and Franny's hair isn't even really getting wet. Like, it's wet on her shoulders, but, like, not on her head. She hasn't been underwater. No, no. Actually, I don't know if this pool... I mean, this pool I wouldn't think would have a shallow or deep end. I mean, it seems like it's about a five-foot pool. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd assume that both of them could just stand in it, and and that's what they seem to be doing, and then sort of moving around a little bit and splashing to kind of create the effect that they are <laughs> this within, so, uh, uh, which, you know... But, uh, like, Duffy, Duffy is summing up, the, like, the different stories. He goes he goes into a lot of detail about Phil and Susan, talking about uh, basically kind of revealing to us, even though we've known it for about 30 minutes, um, uh, that, that Phil has invested in the in the toy company, uh, you know, explaining that Susan's like the meeting that Susan kept going backwards and forwards to constantly replenishing with <laughs> cheese puffs, that that was eventually like successful. So he's he's basically trying to tie up the loose ends. He does that successfully for those two. He successfully explains about the app, uh, you know, and how it's going to make millions. And you know, basically, we know that t- the Tina is going to be a success. Phil, of course, he had this you know ennui about retiring because after one day he was bored. And now that's been solved by the fact that essentially he's going back to work with Tina. So, you know, Tina, Susan and, and Phil have, have had like a, quite a detailed explanation of what's happening with each of them. Obviously, as we've touched on, Trent gets nothing. <laughs> no mention of Trent whatsoever. Um, but then again, he didn't really have a story in so much as like, you know, Tina picked on him and then she stopped picking on him. And maybe he got that internship <laughs> or maybe he... Maybe he joined the army and was killed in Vietnam. Give me something. <laughs> yeah, like, um, uh, his his plane went down over the Sea of Japan. Exactly. I mean, I, I feel like if if they're just having Duffy talking, they could have used some footage of Trent earlier and say, you know, like, he became an apprentice, um, you know, a uh, carpenter or uh, whatever. Like, I, I feel like there's something... that they could, they could have tied up Trent's story in some way. They could have done a nod to... To giving Trent something at the end here, they could have done the same for um, for Franny, and then Chris is actually in the pool while Duffy is talking. He's not swimming, but he's in the pool and he's not afraid of it. <laughs> so I, so it, I mean, obviously with Franny and with Trent, you would have to give like an extra, like an extra bit of story, and maybe they were just like, forget that, just you know, just say, oh, everyone's curious like a cat now. But I think with Chris, because he's in the pool, there's nothing to stop Duffy from just going. And Chris, you know, got over his fear of swimming because we can see him doing it. We can see him standing in the pool pretending to swim. So why not just at least have the cat say, you know, I, f- I feel that's one of the things that they missed out on it, and. And that's what he spoke to Duffy specifically about. And isn't it kind of dumb that Chris's fear was of swimming? Like, if you take that scene out, if you take out that conversation between he and Duffy, then the, the viewer is really drawn to believe that, no, his his fear is of being in the pool with Franny, of being exposed with this girl that he's clearly into because she's way out of his league. But no, it's like, yeah. no, no, we're going to simplify it. He's actually afraid of swimming. He's, he's afraid of water. The first three or four conversations that Chris has 
with his father are all about the whole you know girls are weird and <laughs> like how do you how do you how do you get a girl to talk to you like it's all about talking to girls and then we take a left turn like t- 30 minutes into the film where it's like oh and he's also af- like he can't talk to girls and he's afraid of swimming it's like that's that's two more problems than trent has like trent has no problems G- you know give him a problem i feel like duffy could have wrapped it up with you know franny got what she wanted all along uh, the key to Chris's heart, or something stupid like that. Uh, Chris, yeah. Chris got over being a giant pussy, and um, <laughs> and Trent uh, went into a fast food restaurant to break up a fight and was stabbed in the neck and killed. That's that should be the ending narration for Duffy. Uh, give me some. Considering you're considering that you are um, team Trent, you seem to be wanting to kill him off in a number. It's of the only ways, logical ending for him. I mean, come on, is he going to be a, a Congressman Blutarski? No, he's he's going to be. You know, Trent Trent is going to try and do the right thing and be murdered horribly for it. That is the only way Trent's story can end. To me, that sounds like Trent has walked in from uh, from like a Nicholas Sparks film. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> uh, if these characters were in a Nicholas Sparks film, that would be the ending for Trent. Is he would be like he would be trying to do the right thing. Well, he would have been a ghost all along, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, he, he yeah he he's, he'd find out someone was a ghost, and then he'd also um, get stabbed for doing the right thing because that's what happens to people in in Nicholas Sparks films. He's got a and dark books, mind. That, that Nicholas Sparks has a dark mind, man. Yeah, he likes killing. He likes killing characters off. You know, he's not afraid to do he's, that. He's... Unlike a talking cat. Which inexplicably, for a kids' film, didn't want to kill off one of his characters. I think that's pretty much. I mean, we've covered this minute. We've covered. I mean, we've. I haven't said what happens in the next minute, but basically, the entire cast returns, and I'm including the the, the feline member of the cast as well. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I mean that is amusing actually because uh, basically it's like 30 seconds of a cat trying to get away from these maniacs, and they keep pulling him back before we fade to black and we get what I think are probably. I mean, I recently saw Age of Ultron, and those end credits they had like uh, like they did. They're like maquettes, you know, like, uh, like little models of each of the, the actors and the sure. cameras spinning around and they're like 3D. And and I think the credits for A Talking Cat probably rival the end credits for Age of Ultron <laughs> in terms of some old-style curtain call credits with people looking confused, uh, followed by cat videos, <laughs> which uh, I, if Age of Ultron had had cat videos every, like, 30 seconds... You know, while the credits are scrolling, people would have stayed for those end. You know, they would have been like, "Oh, we got to stay for this because cat cat videos." So, Kevin, the question arises, of course: Do you actually enjoy watching a talking cast? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. And I've watched it uh, because of this podcast four times, and it's it gets worse with each viewing. Um, it's one of those movies that I think if I were watching it in a crowded room with a lot of drunk friends, then maybe. But when you try and watch this thing by yourself, I... Oh, man, it's rough. It's it's a yeah. slog to get through. I see. I, I mean, obviously, um, I've also watched it. And I think I'm the minority, by the way. I think I am the minority. Yeah, I, do, I, I was going to uh, say, that I, there are a number of people who have expressed the opinion that they enjoy this film. And I know certainly that my co-producer... She's watched this film a ton of times because she enjoys this film. And obviously, um, having watched watched parts of this film, I mean, because I've only actually seen this film all the way through twice. Once was the, the first time when I watched it, which was a couple of weeks after we'd started this podcast and after a few episodes had already been recorded. And I figured, well, I may as well actually watch the film so I can see what everyone is talking about. And then again, I watched it with a friend of mine, um, because I bought his son a copy of it for for his birthday, 
Um, <laughs> and so we watched it because he obviously I said to him, you know, I'm doing this podcast about this film. Uh, take a <laughs> have a look at this film. And so uh, he's a fan of cats. So I thought, well, you know, there's there's the excuse to buy it for him. And not anymore. He, well, well, here's the thing. I think watching it with other people and being able to point out the absurdities of it, which I think is essentially what this podcast is like. This podcast is like if you're watching this film alone. Uh, and if you're watching it minute by minute, which is the you know the longest way around of going to watch this film, but if you if you watch this film alone, and then you've listened to the podcasts, let's say you've watched it ten minutes at a time, and then you've listened to like uh, ten minutes worth of podcasts, I think that is almost like watching it. You know, the, I think the people on this podcast are almost the people in the room with you watching the film, sure. pointing out the absurdities, and saying, you know, wasn't that stupid. The Franny says cannonballs, and no one's doing a cannonball. What the hell is that about? You know that Chris is not really swimming in this final minute. He's just standing in the pool. Um, and I think you know, uh, uh, I think this is this is why this podcast you know has been like a worthwhile project up to this point is because we're pointing out the absurdities of what is happening in this film, so that if you are watching at home alone, then you can hear other people's you know almost saying to you, "Look, you're not crazy." He did just call that guy Mr. Financial Advisor. You know, oh, yes. um, Susan did just say that she classifies her DVDs by genre. Um, you know, uh, Phil did just pretend to do a Humphrey Bogart impression that contained nothing that Humphrey Bogart had ever said in his entire life. You know, like, <laughs> I think the, the essentially, you know, uh, we have been with people uh, for these kind of 76 minutes saying to them, look, this film is crazy. Um, now, uh, personally... I'm not. I, I I see a lot of films. Is <laughs> probably an understatement. Um, and I would say that like the two times that I watched this film, you know, I I enjoyed the first time, kind of seeing how odd it was. Uh, and I think the second time the experience was more seeing other people react to it. Um, that and I think that I think that is the key. Is I think if people if you watch this with other people, uh, say who haven't seen it for the first time, I think watching their reaction to it. Um, and their reaction to seeing how crazy it is, I think that is almost as enjoyable as the film itself. If you enjoy the film, <laughs> if you don't, it, if if you don't enjoy the film, then you know it's a good way to punish people that you don't like. So, and I'm I am a person who you know I am that that person that loves bad movies, like you know movies that are so bad that the the, the whole so bad that it's good concept. Uh, I hate mediocre movies. Um, but like a movie that is so off the rails and ridiculous, like I'm sitting across from my Blu-ray collection, and one of the first things that pops into my face is a hot tub time machine. I mean, like you know, movies that are so ridiculous that it's like, all right, well, I can find humor in that. Um, but like you know, the same thing, you know, you take a movie like Rocky Five, and it's like oh, it's just middling crap, and I can't get through it. Uh, and this would be in that former category. This would be the so bad it's good category, but it's just. I don't know, it just it does something to me when I watch this movie that I just kind of get halfway through and I'm like, no, I hate myself for watching this, and I, I kind of want to turn it off and go cry. Uh, but uh, I don't know, maybe that's a... I don't know what that says about me as a, as a viewer. <laughs> I think that's you. I think that's not a talking cat, you know. No, I think it's my own uh, issues. And I think this far in as well, I think, you know, applause to us for resisting saying a talking cat in that in a crazy voice because I, I, the punctuation, again, is like is a thing that's, that sold a lot of people on the film was the fact that they had that crazy punctuation, which sure. we retained, obviously, for the podcast. Uh, but over here, the film is called Duffy the Talking Cat, and there is no crazy punctuation, so... Really? Uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 and the the picture the cover is different to the American cover. It's it's a black cat on the front um with wearing sunglasses uh with with a dog in the background. <laughs> Wait, there's a dog? Yeah, with a dog just sitting on a lawn in some um I don't know, they look like a bunch of bungalows. They don't look like there is the they're not they're like it's like a bunch of suburban bungalows. You know like in uh, Serious Man. Right. Like uh, or Edward Scissorhands, like those types of houses. Okay. It's like a bunch of those with like a lawn which has got a dog on, like this got an expression, and then it's got a cat wearing sunglasses. <laughs> so it's like they took they took the poster or D V D cover from a different movie and just slapped a black cat with sunglasses on it. Pretty much. And the funniest thing is at the very top it says wonderfully funny, attributes it to nobody. There's no attribution <laughs> for that quote. But here's the funny thing: there was a, like a there's a version of the DVD cover that you can find online, and it says "wonderfully funny," and then underneath it says "dummy quote." Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So basically, oh God, the great. dummy quote that was on the that's on the covers for like the, the the essentially the dummy cover that they were making. Sure, the mock up. Yeah, the mock cover before they put out the DVD. That's the cover they went with, and they just got rid of the word dummy quote so thanks very much for joining me kevin uh glad to be here thank you thank you for having me again you know towards the end uh as things are wrapping up we're about to get into the credits um so you know you've revisited the voiceover of duffy that was there in the first and third episode that you were on uh, so you know it's like a, a blast from the past for you from all those months ago i feel like a nice set of bookends to be put on this uh yeah we put on this podcast. I'll, I get to live on your bookshelf for. <laughs> Unfortunately, the film doesn't stop in the next minute. It keeps going for another six or seven. So, um, well, it, you know, it could, and nobody would notice. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even though this is episode seventy-seven, we don't finish until episode eighty-five. So, you know, we're son of a bitch. You know, we're a while away from the end. Thank you very much for joining me uh, again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at a talking cast. Like us on Facebook slash a talking cast. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and of course, rate and review us there, or follow us on SoundCloud, or even Stitcher. And goodbye. Bye. Minute by minute. That's so they'll be diving in to shed some clarity on this hilariously failed attempt. So grab a friend and crack a beer with them and listen in. The talking cast is about to begin. That was episode 77 of A Talking Cast. I was your host, Kevin Brady was my guest. Edited by Darren Huston. Music by Casey Trimble. Voiceover by John Kowaleski. Artwork by Josh Hollis. Executive producers Sarah Cantor and Darren Husted. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with Rapid Heart Productions. A talking cat is owned by Rapid Heart Productions. No infringement is intended. Or he could have given her a recipe for something other than cheese puffs. Like that'd be a great scene <laughs> oh, you know, if, of Susan and the cat baking together, and like and, and Duffy like, no, <laughs> no, you need to add three eggs, uh, not just two, because it really is going to make our pastry fluff up a little more. You need to put more. You need to put more tuna in that water. <laughs> uh, would be his. I think that'd be the only. That's all. He, that's all he eats in the entire film in that one scene. He only knows cat centric recipes, like. You think he's this worldly cat that can help everybody out, except for when it comes to recipes, where he only knows things that cats would eat? Yeah, he's like, open the can, and she's like, okay, and he's like, put it onto the plate, and she's like, all right, he's like, now put it on the floor, and she's like, this isn't a recipe, Duffy, and he's like, no, I'm hungry, I want to eat some food.